Thanks for coming to our home in Irvine, California for Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier. We're glad to have you and your friends in our growing community of soul shepherds. We love hearing from you by email, social media, and on soulshepherding.org. Today, we're going to answer a question on empathy that one of you have sent us. Even though empathy is not a word in the Bible, it's everywhere in our sacred book and in the Lord's relationship with us. Tender-hearted care is an essential soul nutrient for you and the people you minister to. Soprano, thank you for your email here. You wrote, I'm not a pastor, I'm a husband and a father born into a Catholic faith. And thanks for your podcasts on empathy. They've struck a significant chord in an awareness to make changes, to let God's love shine on me and make those changes that are necessary. We pray God blesses you as you respond to him in this way. And thanks for your encouragement. We love hearing from you, our listeners. On social media, email, on our website, you can leave a comment. Tell us how Soul Talks is reaching you. Share with us any questions that you have. Tell us about your ministry. We'd love to connect with you. This is a conversation here on Soul Talks. Yes. And you've got a conversation for us now. I do. We're going to do a follow-up from our last podcast. We're in this series on empathy Q&A. And last week we talked about the emotionally reluctant person, which was a question that was asked by Marlon, dealing with some challenges with her husband who's not very aware of his emotions. And in that podcast, we did a role play of going back in time to the early years of our marriage and when I was not so aware of my emotions, in spite of being a psychologist, I might add, a (laughs) young, uh, newly uh, trained psychologist, and you were very uh, persistent and gentle with me in drawing me out. And so we talked that through and just did it live, uh, recreated the kinds of conversations that we had back then. Kind of venturing on the Lord here spontaneously. Yeah, and in that conversation, something that you we played out there that was true to life was you were persistent in, in a gentle way, not in a, a pounding or hammering kind of way, but with asking me questions. And, and I was deflecting because I was tired, busy, stressed, and, but uh, slowly you, you warmed me up. And so we got into my feelings. And for us, that was a big change of roles because mm-hmm. earlier in our marriage, it was just usually about you and your feelings. And of course, we talked about lots of things and I had things to say, but yeah. I wasn't as, wasn't nearly as disclosing of emotions and struggles and needs and so forth. No, usually you, you, you would be listening to me. I'd be coming to you with emotions and you'd be listening to me and empathizing. And then sometimes you would have some wise words for me <laughs> <laughs> that were, were helpful. And often that went really well, but Mm -hmm. sometimes it was a little tense and it was definitely out of balance. Yes. And that out of balance-ness was affecting us significantly in our relationship. Yeah. And it was affecting you, you were describing in the podcast, because it made it more difficult for you to have a sense of your dignity and Mm -hmm. self-esteem. Yeah. Made it harder for you to trust me. Yeah. And it it was harder for me to have an intimacy like I like to really get to know you I was like I knew about you and but I didn't really know what was going on inside you and other than your thoughts and on my side I had to learn just how helpful and energizing it can be what a blessing it is for me to be 
listen to with genuine interest and gentle, persistent empathy. And it's like, wow, that it's like really opened me up to, uh, gee, the world here is, is beautiful and uh, it's colorful and uh, there's a place for me and I'm, my soul is breathing now. And it gave me just a lot more energy. And so that was a, a key for me in learning how to, as we talk now in Soul Shepherding, one of our messages is living out of the overflow. Yeah. Well, honey, it seemed like that also as you grew in your own awareness and ability to articulate what you felt, identify that, that it made you better at empathizing with me and with others. Oh, yeah, totally. And that's why we teach that you know, the best way to have empathy for others and be effective in that skill is to get it inside of you. Yeah. Is to be vulnerable and trust someone who will listen to you with a tender heart and express compassion and validation of your feelings and so forth. And as you absorb that and it gets in you, it increases your self-awareness and which makes it way easier and more natural for you to give empathy to others. And it's even helped your Bible reading. <laughs> it has. And so we're going to venture on a new kind of, I don't think we've done a Soul Talks quite like the one we're going to do today. And this is, we're calling this when you're stuck in your head. And this is inspired by the story of Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verses 1 to 21. As I was thinking about our question from Marlon and praying about that, the Lord led me to John chapter 3 and some new ways of understanding what's going on there that I really haven't heard. And all the sermons I've heard about Nicodemus and him coming to be born from above and to step into the kingdom of the heavens with Jesus, I hadn't ever thought before so much about uh, this idea that, well, he was a reluctant, an emotionally reluctant man. Never thought of that before. Tell me more. Uh, I think that's the key to understanding this passage. So we're just going to go through this. So Nicodemus is a religious leader who is uh, secretly interested in Jesus. He's one of the most religious people in all of Jerusalem, a member of the Jewish ruling council, highly educated, hardworking, wealthy. He knows the Bible and the spiritual life better than anyone, so highly respected. And then one day he visits Jesus to ask him some questions. Maybe reluctantly. <laughs> Maybe reluctantly, yes. I think so, because he's, he does it in secret, we yep. know. It goes yep. at night. Yeah. John adds that important detail. He doesn't want anybody to know. Right. He's sneaking out because he could get kicked <laughs> off of the Sanhedrin for doing this. He doesn't want to lose his job or his high standing in society. He's probably scared, mm -hmm. but he would never admit that. I think that what we need to see is that Nicodemus lives stuck in his head. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our religiosity or spiritualizing or over-teaching or just being so focused on Bible insights and principles, it's really a lot like the defense mechanism of intellectualizing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we, we see this a lot. And you've borne patiently with this in me. <laughs> well, I appreciate the thoughts that you have, but when they're void of feeling, sometimes it's hard to relate to them. And sometimes it's even hurtful when it comes from a point of talking about scripture, the Bible, or religion, and it's just all in your head. I can't relate to it. And, and it can really hurt people. Mm -hmm. You know, when we're just pressing in with ideas and teachings, principles, it can be damaging. 
but certainly it's distancing is what you're saying. It's just like, how do I, how do I connect least, with this? How yeah. do I, what, is, what is in this for me? How, how do I apply this? It's at least distancing. Sometimes it's shaming. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's downgrading and disrespectful. So tell us more about that. Well, sometimes I feel like, well, what's wrong with me that I can't just be satisfied with these answers or right beliefs or this head knowledge that doesn't, there's a disconnect here between this. They make it sound so simple, so reasonable, so factual. But I mean, I've got all this experience and all these emotions and all the, the messiness of life that it's just not, it's not very satisfying. It's not connecting. And so then I just feel shame. Well, I guess there's something wrong with me. Yeah. This is sad. This is a, a weight, and it's uh, very much a dismissing mm-hmm. of your heart mm-hmm. and putting you over there in a corner like, you, you, I don't want to deal with you. Mm-hmm. That's how it feels. Yeah. Just and, stay in your head. Just, just, just don't mess up the easy linear thinking here. <laughs> yeah, and we pastors and teachers who are doing that, we don't realize that we're dismissing people's inner person, their, their heart, their soul their feelings, their needs, and we're just trying to be helpful. Mm-hmm. And we don't realize that what's happening is because we're not connected to our own feelings. Mm-hmm. That's key. We're not really in touch with our own personal struggles. Mm-hmm. We think we got things worked out because mm-hmm. we got some stuff figured out mentally, yeah. but this is not connecting up with our own life. And of course, if we go too far down this path, then there's going to be this double life, this contradiction where we say one thing, you know, we profess all this stuff, but then our life doesn't match up with that. Yeah. Because as you said, life is messy and mm-hmm. painful and difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So the Lord wants to help us into an authentic spirituality, and this is what Nicodemus is needing, but Nicodemus doesn't know it. No. He's a, an emotionally reluctant man who is stuck in his head. And uh, listeners, some of you can relate to this, or you know somebody like this, <laughs> right? So uh, when Nicodemus uh, comes to Jesus uh, in stealth here in the night, he says to Jesus, we know you've come from God because of your miracles. By implication, he's saying to Jesus, we know about you. I know what's right. I know what's good and true. I know what's best. And I've been watching you, and I've figured it out. <laughs> Yeah, Jesus sort of laughs in a loving way as well, because Nicodemus doesn't really know. <laughs> no, <laughs> he doesn't that, know what he doesn't know. <laughs> that's right. And that's the problem when we've got all these ironclad principles. You know, we take the scripture or take God and put him in a box and think we've got stuff figured out. And it's like, yeah, that's, uh, that's not quite working that way. Get on the ground, there's struggle and challenge and mystery and lots of unknowns and things that we need to wrestle with. And Nicodemus is not on that personal level. But Jesus is. Jesus listens to him with his heart. And so I think the big thing that we miss that's key in this passage is the empathy that Jesus shows Nicodemus. Where is it? (laughs) He's tuning right in to what it's like to be on a head trip, to to have this proud, arrogant sense of, I know what's true, I know what's right, I know what's best, but you really don't. Jesus could have just blasted him with Mm -hmm. judgments, right? And criticized him or just spoken the truth in a way Mm -hmm. that just would have exposed him. Yeah. But he's very gentle. And that's where the empathy is between the lines. Mm -hmm. You know, the scripture is not giving us long drawn out dialogues with everything that's being said in the conversation. Yeah. So 
we can bet there's a lot more that's going on in the interchange. There, there's certainly a lot more going on inside of Jesus that he's putting himself inside of Nicodemus. He's stepping in his sandals, even getting into his skin. Yeah, well, you're saying he's not saying, well, then if you know, how come you're coming in the dark? Why are you still a part of these Pharisees? Why are you, yeah, why aren't you following me? Yeah, why don't you, you don't understand the kingdom of God. You know, how could you say you know stuff if you're not, if you don't know how to live in the spiritual reality of God's kingdom? He's not giving him a frontal mm-hmm. assault. Or an intellectual assault. That's right. He's not arguing with him on an intellectual level. Yeah, he's very much speaking to him in a personal way, from his heart, in a relational way, and gently leading him along, helping him into a new way of thinking. And the way he helps Nicodemus to have some new thoughts is by helping Nicodemus to have an experience, a relational encounter, and a feeling here and now Mm. uh, with Jesus. And that's all hinging on Jesus' empathy. And so it's based on Jesus' tender-hearted concern for Nicodemus that Jesus now redirects the conversation. Nicodemus is totally thrown off balance. He thought he came in here, you know, knowing stuff. And now he's starting to quickly realize, oh, I don't know so much. And so Jesus is going to help Nicodemus rethink his life by re-feeling his life. Hmm, tell me more. I mean, this is curious. You like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we've had a lot of conversations. And the frequent teaching we get in the church of change your thinking, change your life is not something you appreciate too much. No. <laughs> it doesn't do it for me. Because yeah. sometimes my thoughts follow my feelings. And I have taught this, change your thinking, change your life. And, and I've argued it with you. <laughs> and you've won me over. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I've come to realize that that, while there's some truth to that, it is yeah. very deficient. Yeah. Often our emotions influence our thinking. Yes. And our emotions come from our body. And so it could be hormones, it could be a, a mood, it could be an unconscious need, it could be a memory that's surfacing that has emotions attached to it. But emotions aren't just the caboose. No. Or even if they are the caboose, sometimes the caboose can drive the train too. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> uh, so emotions are powerful and emotions are important. And in fact, uh, we know from developmental psychology, the studies mm-hmm. of, of children, and how they develop psychologically and socially. That there, we've raised three kids. Yeah. Any parent that's listening to us, grandparents, you'll know what we're saying is true. Kids have emotions yes. way before they have rational that's thoughts. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we call emotions primary process as therapists. We we call the emotions. This is the primary process mm-hmm. of your life, uh, of how you learn, of how you function. And then, uh, of course, thinking is very important, but that's a secondary process. Yes. Uh, you're smiling. Yeah, well, because if you put them both together, it's, you're just, you just function so much better. I think it's how God intended. Yeah, and that's where we've got our, our dictum we like to teach. Before you say or do anything of consequence, it's best if you think and feel Yes. first. Yes. Process. Yes. Process your thoughts and feelings and then that helps you make better decisions. Or in my case, feel and then think about my feelings first. That's right. It goes that way too. <laughs> yeah. So back to John chapter 3 and Nicodemus. We're looking at uh, him as he comes uh, to Jesus in the dark. And now Jesus redirects the conversation uh, with empathy. Jesus tunes into Nicodemus's personal experience, his relationships, his emotions, his spirituality. All that's embedded in this conversation. 
in order to help Nicodemus rethink his life. And so we're going to now see how an emotionally reluctant person comes to life here. And so pay attention if this is you or your spouse or your friend. How does it work? Here's the conversation. Jesus, uh, first thing is he invites Nicodemus to be born from above, born of the Spirit. Do you think you could do that with your head? No, I don't think so. (laughs) Why not? Well, it's not a head achievement. It's not a thinking thing. What is it? Well, it's a heart response. It's an openness to Uh the Spirit. It's not a reliance upon self. And our thinking is often a reliance upon ourself. Mm -hmm. So to perceive spiritual reality, which certainly includes some thoughts, but those thoughts would be connected to emotion, even stirred by emotion or leading to emotion, right? Mm-hmm. And spirituality, we're talking about a relationship. Yes. To know God, I think our Bible students will remember that the word knowledge in the Bible, it's not, it doesn't mean what we mean in our culture it's when we intimacy. talk about it. Yeah. yeah. It's interactive relationship. Mm-hmm. It's even sexual intimacy in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very personal and, and tender very much of the heart and the soul and experience. Yes. So the kind of knowledge in the Bible is, is very robust. It includes yes. thinking, but it's not like knowing facts Mm-mm. like or getting the answers right in the test like we might think about it today. Right. So this is the kind of knowledge that Jesus is leading Nicodemus into. Nicodemus thinks he knows, yeah. but what he knows is some intellectual ideas that are old and worn out and distorted, and he needs to rethink mm-hmm. by refeeling and relating in a new way and opening yeah. his heart, like you're saying, honey. So to be born from above, to have new life in the kingdom of God. And then uh, Jesus changes the metaphor to paying attention to the wind of the Spirit. Mm. That says something there, doesn't it? That we're, wind might be something we notice about, but it, it's, it's not like you don't study it when you're enjoying the breeze. You feel it, mm-hmm. right? That's you, right. You, you feel it against your cheek. You, you, you feel refreshed. Yeah. You, you maybe have some wonderment. You're uh, caught up in a, a sense of there's something invisible here that's blessing me. Yeah. And it's, it's a metaphor, of course, for the, the spiritual life, the presence of the Holy Spirit in particular, and for listening mm-hmm. to the voice of the Lord. It's helpful. He, he speaks to us in whispers, and we discern the voice of the Lord, not just by study, mm-hmm. but also by feeling, yes. by relating, by intuiting and experiencing. Yes. And then Jesus moves on in the conversation um, here in John chapter 3, and he's gently challenging Nicodemus, saying, you know, don't just teach from your head. You need to be experiencing God's presence in your life and putting these teachings into practice in your life, uh, like I do. If you watch me, how Mm -hmm. I do it, I live the things that I teach others. I prove them to work in my own life, the the -hmm. commandments, the the Mm -hmm. teachings of God. I prove them to be true in my own life. Things like love your neighbor, things like give to the one who asks of you, don't judge, etc. Jesus puts these teachings into practice in his own life. He's yes. not like automatically holy because he's the son of God, because he's also a human being. He has to choose the way yeah. of holiness, the way of love. And so he does that, and then he can now teach out of his life. Mm-hmm. Jesus is always ministering out of the overflow. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Nicodemus doesn't know anything about this. No. He, got, he has all this head knowledge and all this religious stuff that he does and things that he believes and is good, but it's insufficient. Mm-hmm. It's inadequate. 
So Jesus is inviting him to, to live these truths, put these doctrines into practice. Now this takes us into mess and questions and confusion and struggles and stress and pain and deficits and weakness and sin and all the stuff we got to work out. Yes. And then Jesus takes Nicodemus uh, to the cross and to how God has given, famous John three sixteen for God so loved his world, God, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And so he's prophesying there of the cross to come. Uh, the point is that God loves you, Nicodemus. That's what mm-hmm. Jesus is saying. And, and he's drawing him into this personal, interactive, warm, caring relationship. Yeah, and the word there, believe, isn't just a profess it to be true or believe that it's true. It's a trust. It means trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so Jesus, through his empathy of understanding Nicodemus's condition and need, He's getting at the deeper uh, self there and the deeper longings, and he's drawing him into the Father's love where Jesus lives in that place at the Father's bosom. We read in, in the beginning and end of John, Jesus is right there in the bosom of the Father, mm. the same place that John, the apostle, learns to rest his head at the Last Supper when he puts his head on Jesus' chest. And Jesus' bosom is tender, it's nurturing, mm-hmm. it's of the heart, it's personal. This is where Jesus is leading Nicodemus because of his uh, empathy for him. And it's safe. And when we're reluctant, we need that safe place. Yeah, because, and that's something we, I thank you because we, honey, for saying that, because we really need to keep that in view when there's somebody in our life that is emotionally reluctant. It's because they're afraid. They've been shut down. They've been hurt. They've been shamed. They've been scolded. And they're hesitant, even scared now. To be vulnerable, to go into the mm-hmm. mess, mm-hmm. to be emotional. Feels out of control. Yeah, but they probably don't think they're scared. <laughs> no. They probably wouldn't admit that. <laughs> yeah. Because, again, they're in their head. Yeah. But when you're wanting to get to know someone like this, and they're putting up this wall, and they seem so strong, if you can just realize, just in your heart, in, in your thoughts, in your prayers, my spouse, my family member, my friend, this person I'm trying to help is actually scared. Mm-hmm. They're actually insecure. Mm-hmm. They're unsure. They're uncertain. They, they don't know where to go. And even though they're not showing you that, if you just try that perspective on and now take that approach and how you pray for them and how you talk to them, to be gentle in how you try to tease out uh, some emotion that's underneath the stuff of their life. Give them some empathy. Also, uh, it's vulnerable to do that because sometimes they might snap back with <laughs> some harsh words. So yeah, you have we have to, to really have look some... to the Lord, be holding his hand. If that happens, not take it personally. Ask him to help you forgive. You have to have some personal ego strength there, mm-hmm. some inner confidence and some internal boundaries of emotional differentiation and separation so that yeah. that that harsh response doesn't just get right into my heart yeah. and stomp on me. Yes. And if you've had that happen to you, I have empathy for you with that. That really hurts. It makes it hard to try again. Mm-hmm. It's discouraging. Mm-hmm. So we need to be in the refuge of the Lord. We need to be in his, his embrace here. Because this is a, a major spiritual warfare, isn't it? To be persistent in trying to woo and gently love mm-hmm. someone who's been hardened. Yeah. To keep praying for them, to keep being soft-hearted, 
to, to be curious, to ask questions, and to try to just find a way that they can hear and respond to, to begin to, to speak from their heart, their deeper self, their emotions, and so forth. Yeah, and honey, I want to know for our listeners, we're talking about doing this with somebody who's reluctant, not somebody who's unsafe and abusive mm. in their reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to have healthy boundaries. So Jesus, in continuing the conversation, he says to Nicodemus, Come out of the darkness, my friend. Step into the light. You don't need to hide in fear in the darkness. Join me in living openly and honestly in real life experience. That's where Jesus ends the conversation. That's great. Drawing Nicodemus into that. Beautiful invitation. And the the proof of the pudding is in the eating, right? What happens with Nicodemus? Well, a lot happens with Nicodemus as we follow along in the Gospels and the other. There's a couple other accounts, two different times, we get a peek into the life of Nicodemus, and we know that he does learn to feel God's presence. And by God's grace, working with him, the ministry of Jesus to him, he, he calms down his overactive brain, or more accurately, his misdirected thinking, and he starts paying attention to his experiences, his emotions and desires, he begins asking more honest questions from a deeper level, and begins to pray from his gut and his life. He tries new ways of living and relating. How do you know? Well, we know that because we see where he gets to. We see how, at the end, how he takes courage to stand up for Jesus when the other religious elders in Jerusalem wanted to kill Jesus. And we see that in how he and his friend Joseph of Arimathea boldly go out to to Pilate to get Jesus' body and to give it a sacred burial because they need to grieve, to cry, to feel, to pray to love their Lord. There's a lot going on here. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm reading between the lines, but what I'm seeing is that Nicodemus has become more aware of his tender places, yeah. and it's enabled him to develop a, a faith and a trust and a confidence in Christ that is, is very deep in his heart and his soul. It's not reluctant anymore. It's not reluctant, and it's not just in his head. Of course, it, it is in his head, and he's, he's done a lot of careful thinking, Yeah. but our point is that that careful thinking that earnest, intelligent study includes feeling. Yeah, no, he's acting with empathy. He's acting with empathy for Jesus, and he's developed this friendship with Joseph of Arimathea. They're soul friends, and we've got to see that, mm-hmm. that these two have, have drawn together. They're, they are the two in the Sanhedrin of the 70 that have banded together, and it's probably been essential to them finding courage to resist What's going on there? And say, we're not part of this kind of a religion. This is not right. They they, let Jesus touch their hearts. They let him break through their intellectualizations. So they left everything. They had the highest position in the Jewish society, a privileged position of esteem, of of wealth. Mm -hmm. They put it all aside for Jesus. It wasn't just a doctrine or a thought that made them do that. It was a life change deep inside their heart and soul. And that they were sharing together through, surely, a number of conversations that were personal and, and emotional with, with questions and humility and confessions of sin and in earnest prayers together as they were rethinking things and reevaluating their lives and, and, and the Holy Spirit is at work changing them. Yeah. It's great, honey. Thank you for pointing this out, pointing out the, the empathy of Jesus and uh, his pursuit of the hearts of this reluctant man and intellectualizing man and breaking through those defenses. 
So praise God, Nicodemus is born from above, comes into the kingdom of God through trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, entering into the experience of true knowledge, spiritual knowledge, this an interactive relationship with God. And he learns to live not just from this earth, not just from the visible circumstances or his own body, but to live from the spiritual reality of the kingdom of God from being alive with Jesus in the Father's world, and that changes his body, it changes his circumstances, and he he is alive. Yeah, and we've seen other really smart intellectual men have this similar response to Jesus. That's what we love about C.S. Lewis and his story, of that, that coming alive to his emotions. That's what you like so much about the Shadowlands, you know, movie and, and story. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, our, our own... Mentor Dallas Willard, and you know, just we, we, it's so exciting when God finds these places that we're kind of shut down to and opens us up. Yeah, I know we have some C.S. Wow. Lewis fans listening, and we did a whole series of podcasts and email devotionals on C.S. Lewis. It's easy to find something that you're looking for on our Soul Shepherding website. It's an archive of spiritual treasures that are for you. They're free for your devotional life as a soul shepherd, as a whatever you're doing in your life, and for your ministry to others or your group of friends. You can draw on these resources, and if you just do an internet search on Soul Shepherding, C.S. Lewis, your computer will fill up with articles, podcasts, and wonderful meditations and prayers to take you deeper into your relationship with the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you pursue our hearts, our whole person, wanting to open us all up to the reality of you and to interact an ongoing, eternal relationship with you. Oh, how we pray that we and those we love would fully respond. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you, Lord. We are delighted to have you following the Lord Jesus with us. He is our true soul shepherd and the source of empathy. Thanks for sharing Soul Talks with your friends. In just the last two months, our community has grown by 50%. It's easy to use the share button on your podcast app or iTunes, or email a podcast link from our website, soulshepherding.org. Also, we hope you're receiving our weekly devotional emails and sharing those. They're free, and you can sign up at soulshepherding.org.